0: We certainly are blessed to have Al come every now and then and lead worship for us. Don't you enjoy having Al with us? Thank you, brother. Several weeks ago, we began preaching through Mark's Gospel, so I want to ask you to find your place with me in Mark's Gospel. We come to the close of chapter number 1 today, so we'll be looking at verses 40 through 45. While you're finding your place there, let me give you a pop quiz. What is one of the most prominent words found in Mark's gospel? What is it? Immediately. Uh, You can see by his use of it, by his repetition, and by the use of the word and, 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 that Mark is moving at a breakneck speed. He's trying to get in as much as he can in a short amount of space in order to let us see this wonderful Savior named Jesus Christ. So let's pick up with Mark the Evangelist in verse number 40 of chapter number one today. Beginning there, again he starts out with the word and another story fast-moving. And a leper came to Jesus beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, if you are willing you can make me clean. Moved with compassion Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he, that is Jesus, sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and he began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city but stayed out in unpopulated areas and they were coming to him from everywhere. Well, have you ever had a come to Jesus meeting with someone? And if you have... Were you the one who was doing the coming, or were you the one who was doing the inviting? You see, because there is a difference in those two. Well, today I want to speak to you on the subject of come to Jesus. There is a lot of different meanings that have been attached to that phrase, as we just previously noted. And in the New Testament, the word come is just Filled with theological significance. Uh, We could give an entire excursus on the theological import and implications of just the word come. But rather than doing that, let's stick with our text today and just simply note that this word come is used in the front of this passage and it's used at the end of the passage. It forms kind of brackets or parentheses which set this off and I think it kind of encompasses the main idea of this text that we just read. Notice with me in verse number 40, the Bible says, and my New American Standard translates it as came. If you have a New American Standard, you'll notice there is an asterisk by it which means that that is is the translation of a historic present tense verb in the Greek language. So it's literally the word come. And Mark is just telling the story like we do sometimes in past tense. We'll be talking about something that happened yesterday, but we'll use a present tense to describe it. And that's what Mark did here, but the translators of our English version say, let's smooth that out, let's make that historic present be a true past, so it's uh, translated as Cain, but literally the reading is, and a leper comes to Jesus. So notice with me again in verse number 45 to see the other side of it where the, where the bracket is closed. In the very last phrase of verse number 45 it says, and they were coming to him from everywhere. So again we have an opening use of the word come, and then we have a closing use of the word come, And everything between those two buns of this hamburger can kind of be interpreted in light of the significance of what it means to come to Jesus. So let's look at it. And I think the implications run rampant through this passage. I think the first thing that we can say about coming to Jesus is that those who come are drawn by the Father. Now, I had to go outside this text, but the implications all point to that, and I'll substantiate it. But you remember in John chapter 6, verse number 44, this is what Jesus said. He says, I tell you that no one can, that's a very important word, no one can come unto me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So one thing that you can rest assured of, if you have come to Jesus, you didn't come of your own accord. You, became, you came because the Father supernaturally drew you to the Son. That's just the way salvation works. When Jesus said no one can, that word can means that you do not have the moral ability to do it. Have you ever wondered why so many folk today are running from the gospel? Have you ever noticed why so many folk are hostile toward Jesus Christ? Listen, they can't come to Him. They do not have the moral ability. The only way any of us have ever come to Jesus Christ is by the supernatural drawing of God the Father. Now, what does that look like when somebody has been drawn to the Son by the Father? And that's where this text takes up. Notice, those who are drawn. I think there are characteristics in their lives that you can readily see. Here's how you know if God the Father has operated that mysterious drawing work that He does in order to bring people to saving faith in the Son. Notice how this leper came. I think the first thing we can say about those who are drawn to the Son by the Father is that they come courageously. They come courageously. Make no mistake about it, when God the Father begins to do a supernatural drawing operation in your life, you forget about being an introverted, shy, backwards, redneck boy like me. You forget all of that. When God the Father begins to draw you, you forget about what everybody else might think. You forget about all of those things because along with the drawing comes this shot of courage that says, I'm going to get to Jesus no matter what obstacles I have to overcome No matter how weak I am, no matter how shy I am, no matter how scared I am, no matter how hesitant I am, when God the Father draws you, it's like trying to to build a a barrier between a hungry man and that box of donut holes out there in the foyer. So if you're hungry, you're going to get to them, you know what I'm saying? And it's the same way when God begins to draw somebody. And I hear so many excuses today about why some folk don't respond to the gospel. And here's the bottom line. Folk aren't responding because maybe the Lord hasn't drawn you yet. You see what I'm saying? Notice this leper. And you've got to understand all of the the social customs that this leper had to overcome to get to Jesus. I mean, after all, he was a leper. He was an outcast. The scribes and and the rabbis had put together all types of laws about those who had leprosy about how they could not even be in the company of people who did not have it. Man, you want to talk about social distancing? COVID knows nothing of the social distance that leprosy put upon people in the first century. You see, the rabbis had came up with all of these formulas about how far you had to stand away from uninfected people if you had leprosy, if you were upwind of them. And then there was another set of laws, if you were downwind from them, how far you had to stay. As a matter of fact, you couldn't even live in the same house with your family. The only other people you could have fellowship with were other people who had this horrible disease called leprosy. So here Jesus is. He's walking one day. There is a crowd of people, as you can imagine, around him. They've already seen all the the, the miracles that he'd done, and they were following him, and he's left Capernaum. He's going to another place, not to heal, but to do what? To preach, because he says, that's why I came. And as there are throngs around him... I imagine there began to be some cries and some shrieks from the crowd because everybody thought if you came in contact with a leper, you would immediately and instantaneously get it. And I can imagine there were some high-pitched squeals as they saw this, 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 this man who was covered, Dr. Luke tells us, in leprosy. And to be covered in it meant he was, fine, he was probably in the final stages, which takes about nine years before it to start eating the ears off the side of your head for it to start to disfigure your nose, before you start to lose appendages. And this man who was in that shape courageously runs up in that crowd and it was probably a mighty parting of people getting away from him. So that was courage, you hear me? And as the people part, as he walks up in there and they begin to make way, nobody wants to be around him, finally he's in front of the only one who can do something about it. And he falls down on his knees before him. I'm telling you, this man had a shot of supernatural courage in order to do that, but he had courage because he was desperate. This was his only hope, which is another characteristic of those, by the way, that's free, of those who the Father draws. They know that this is the only way. And they're desperate to get to Jesus Christ. So the first characteristic that this leper displays of someone who has been drawn by the father to the son is that they come courageously. Have you ever had that shot of courage given to you whereby you didn't care what the social customs were, you didn't care what people thought of you, you didn't care how people judged you, Man, I hear so many folks say this. I hear so many folks say, Pastor Richie, I would come, but I'm just afraid so many folk are going to judge me up there because I don't have the right kind of clothes. I don't hang out with the right kind of cl- crowd. I don't do any of that. Can I say to you, may God give you a shot of courage when He draws you, but let me secondly say to you that there is nobody at Grace Church going to judge you. Now look, I'm not just preaching here. I am not just preaching. Because God knows I've been in enough churches where you did get judged if you walk in. Hey, there's a lot of churches today that I couldn't preach the way I'm preaching today. Hey, everybody that's watching us online, that's afraid to come, you don't have clothes to wear, look here, the preacher's dressed in jeans. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Come on, we're not going to judge you because of that. We don't care what condition. We don't care anything except the fact that God is drawing you to His Son. That's what we're ultimately concerned about. Far be it from us to put any obstacle between you and Him. But here's the deal. Man, if God's drawing you, you have courage. Don't tell me this old leper. Don't tell me he didn't have obstacles, didn't have worries, didn't have concerns. He came courageously. But number two. When folk are supernaturally drawn to the Son by the Father, not only do they come courageously, but they come consciously. Consciously. It means they are conscious of a few things. And and what are those things? Well, notice what this leper said. He said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Underline that word clean right there. Because here's what folk who are drawn to the Son by the Father are conscious of. They are consciously aware that they are sinners in need of cleansing. They are sinners in need of cleansing. Here's something that's, that's, that's unique about leprosy. Every time without fail, the Bible speaks of leprosy. The Bible never speaks of leprosy being cured It always speaks of leprosy as being cleansed. You see, we're going to do an excursus here on on why the Bible and how the Bible makes a connection between leprosy and sin. Leprosy in the Bible is a living, vivid, in-color description of the nature of sin. You put them side by side and it's hard to tell them apart. So when people come to Christ when they're drawn to the Son by the Father they are conscious of the fact that they are sinners in need of cleansing you see sin is not just a mistake that we make sin is not just a bad choice that we make sin is defilement that gets down to our core and the only way to wash it out is to be cleansed by the blood the one to whom we come and his name is Jesus Christ so you can't deal with sin by curing it you can't deal with sin by 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 educating it you can't deal with sin by trying to pull it up the socioeconomic platform or, or, or ladder you can't do that the way sin is dealt with is to be cleansed by the only thing that can cleanse of sin and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. Notice, that's how the Bible speaks of sin as well. 1 John 1, 9, for example, says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to cure us of our sin. Is that what it says? No, it says he's faithful and just to cleanse us of our sin. Yeah, uh, leprosy and sin are both spoken of as needing cleansing. So look what that leper did. He came and he said... If you are willing, you can make me clean. So here we go. Let's do an excursus on sin, okay? On sin and leprosy. And y'all know what an excursus is it's just a scholarly word for chasing a rabbit for a little while. But I think it's got to be done in the context of this introduction of leprosy into the gospel. So let me give you three things about that, 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 that kind of merge with leprosy and sin. Number one, they both start small, do they not? I mean, you stop and think of it. Any sin that you are entangled in and can become entangled in, the devil comes to you and says, Hey, just try this one time. It won't hurt you. I mean, nobody's perfect. Just do this one time. Hey, you ask a drug dealer today. You ask somebody hooked on drugs how they got hooked, and none of them will say, It was the aspiration of my life to be hooked on methamphetamines and heroin and crack, and cocaine, and all that. Nobody says that. Everybody will say, well, in a weak moment, somebody offered me and said, here, try this just one time. Why do you think it is that drug dealers say, hey, I'll give you this one. I'll give you first one free. It always starts out small. Don't ever think that you can manage sin, because you can't manage it. It'll start small, and it'll end up consuming and covering your entire body. So both sin and leprosy, they start small. I mean, the first time, the first time somebody might think they have leprosy, they look like, they, gum, hey, I got a spot there on the back of my hand. Like all men, we ain't going to the doctor. <laughs> next thing you know, it's kind of up to the wrist. And the next thing you know, it's up to the shoulder. And the next thing you know, they've got parts of their body falling off where leprosy has just eaten it away. So number one, sin and leprosy are the same they both start small. Number two, they both attack your sensitivity. Here's what physicians tell us today. know a good bit about leprosy today that probably they didn't know in the first century, but here's what medical experts say about leprosy. They say that, You see, it don't just stay on the surface. It begins to eat your flesh. And it attacks nerve endings. And before long, you can't feel anything. So the reason a lot of people lose a lot of fingers and toes and arms is simply because the leprosy has taken their sensitivity they can no longer feel. So one day you're not paying attention to what you're doing, and you lean up and put your hand back, prop up, and it's on the top burner of the stove. And you don't even know that anything's wrong until you smell rotten, decaying flesh burning. And you look and you've lost your whole hand. You see, that's what leprosy does. It attacks your sensitivity and your ability to feel. And you know what sin does? The very same thing. Hey, listen, believers, let me talk to believers for a minute. You will confirm this experience. You know that the first time you step across the line where you're not supposed to be and you sin against God, the Holy Spirit of God who lives within you shouts out, Hey! (laughs) And you're supposed to jump, Jerry. (laughs) Don't do that. Am I right? You know you're not supposed to do it. And it's like all heaven is shouting at you, please don't get involved in this. The next time you do it, that shout's like, hey. The next time you do it, it's like, hey. For long you don't even hear it. You have desensitized yourself. Hey, here's another thing that you'll 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 appreciate that you know that it's the truth. Here's why it's so important to stay sharp on your spiritual disciplines. Hey, take anybody in here who's faithful to Grace Church, who's kind of hooked, you know what I'm saying? On, on the fellowship at Grace Church. You hate to miss. Three or four folk are gone today, and they call me and they said, Pastor, I just hate it. I want to be there so bad, but I've got this thing going on that I've just got to do. And I said, I understand that is. I, you know, there's very few times I say, well, yeah, that's right, you probably ought to miss church. But, I mean, these are some things they just had to do because it was kind of in the course of being faithful to God, you know, to go and be taking care of a, of an elderly mother or something like that. you got to do that. But they called and said, I hate to do it. Never want them to be back next Sunday. But here's the deal. You go ahead and miss one Sunday for some foolish reason. The next Sunday, what? Y'all want to come preach this? Am I, am I saying the truth? So here's the thing, you miss one and the next one's a whole lot easier to miss, right? Next thing you know, you look around and it's been two or three months that you've even been to church, you didn't even know it. Why? Because sin has eaten away at your sensitivity. Number next, leprosy and sin, number one, because they both start small, number two, because they both attack your sensitivity, and number three, because they both cause separation. See, here's what sin does. The heart and nature of sin is to cause separation and isolation. First, for a believer, listen to me. The reason the devil wants to get you hooked into something is so you'll start thinking, well, I'm not good enough. And I've got all these issues. I can't go to church. You know what they'll think of me? That, well, hey, courage, courage, courage. But here's what he wants to do. He wants to separate you from the crowd. 1 Peter says this, 1 Peter chapter number 5, I think it's around verse number 8. Peter says, for your adversary the devil, like a roaring lion, is prowling around seeing whom he can destroy, who he can devour. Now, if you've ever watched National Geographic and you've watched those poor little um, antelopes and things like that, and you've watched a lion in the bushes... And you know, everybody loves lions until they start eating cute little furry things, right? And you watch that lion. Who is it that he's after? Is he after the big daddy who's right up in the middle of the herd? No, he's waiting. He's looking for that weak, little weak one that might have a limp or catching his get-along. And he's a little bit separated from the rest of the herd. If the devil can cut you out of the herd, he's got you. And the nature of sin is to separate you. Not only does it separate you from the flock, but ultimately, let me tell you what sin will do in the life of somebody who has never come to Jesus for cleansing. It'll separate you from God for eternity. That's the nature of sin. Leprosy and sin. I hope you enjoyed that little excursion. Now let's get back to line. What do you say? These folk are conscious that they are sinners in need of cleansing. Have you ever seen anybody justify their sin? Well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. No, hear me. You haven't been drawn by the Father yet. Because when God gets in your business, begins to draw you to the Son, who is the one who can cleanse, we know fully well just how dirty we are. Notice, they're conscious that they're sinners in need of cleansing. But number two, they're conscious that He is the Savior who can cleanse. Who can. Check this out. Look what this guy says. If you are willing, you can. Underline that. If you are willing, you can. Because he can. There is nothing that he can't do, for we serve a God who is able. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we're at we ask or expect, simply because by nature, he's the God who can. So they realize. That their only hope, those who've been drawn to the Son, realize that Jesus is the only hope. He's the only one who can. You see, that's the difference between Christianity and religion. There's a lot of religions that tell you what you can do. i got news for you. There ain't nothing you can do to cleanse yourself. You can try to be as good as you want, but you can't cleanse sin with goodness. You just can't. The only one who can, this leper rightly identified him. He said, you can. I love that statement. So they come conscious that he is the Savior who can. So they come courageously, they come consciously, and then finally they come considerately. You see, I don't think this statement is an implication or or, or, I don't think it, it shows us any doubt in the leper's mind. Look what he says. There's no need to interpret that way. He says, if you are willing, you can. If you are willing, you can make me clean. I don't think he is doubting. I think he's just being considerate. And man, uh, we need a good dose of that. It makes me nervous when I hear folk order God around. Hey, he's not my servant. I'm his. So this leper comes and he says, you can If you will, now why did he say that? I I think it's considerate not to order God around and not to presume upon His grace. And besides that, you know, there are some things that God's just not willing to do. Did you know that? Hey, has, has the good, gracious, loving God of heaven ever told you no? Yes, He has. And yes, He will. And you see, that's the nature of faith sometimes. Faith is not superimposing my will upon Him But it's given me the ability to accept with grace His better will. Because I know that I know in part, He knows completely. What I want for me and what He wants for me may be two different things, and I promise you, what He wants for me is always better than what I want for me. Did you know that God has a preferable future for you? And that future that God has for you is better than the future you would choose for yourself if you could orchestrate it? And is our faith going to be of such that we're willing to accept that if God doesn't take our plan and put His stamp of approval on it? See, that's what we want so many times. We want to say, God, here it is. Approve this, please. I submit this for your approval. And sometimes God might say, no. So this leper, I don't think he had any any doubt here. He was just saying... if you will, you can. Now, let me put it on pause here for a minute and say. When it comes to salvation, I think which this story is about, because again, leprosy and sin is the analogy here. So I think this story is about salvation. Can I say to you, you come to Jesus, I can guarantee you He will. I can guarantee you he will save you if you come to... If you've been drawn by the Father to the Son for salvation, there's no question of will. He will. He will. He will. will. Notice next as we move on along through this. Here's what this leper says. I want you to write this down because this statement's going to come back to you in a little while. Like I tell my students, you're going to see this again on a little present I give you at midterm. So here it is. Here's a a test question for you. It's going to come back at the end of this sermon. Write these words down. He can, exclamation point, but will he? He can, but will he? That was the leper's question. All right? Write it right under that point. It's going to come back. Notice number next. Those who come to Jesus are drawn by the Father, but number two... Those who come to Jesus discover shocking facts. Shocking facts. He will just blow your mind. Can I ask you, can I get a witness here? Is there anybody in this room that's come to Jesus and got more than you bargained for? Huh? That's what I'm talking about. And you know what? It's going to continue to be like that for the rest of your life and through all eternity. Do you know why we're going to worship for eternity? because his character is infinite and it's going to take us all of eternity just to explore the ramifications of his glorious nature wow it's not going to be boring morning by morning in glory new mercies we're going to see Wow! well notice some of the facts that this leper found out those who are drawn to Jesus by the father discover shocking facts number one we find that his compassion outruns his caution. Now think about that for a little while. Let it it seep in. And please do not interpret that as a criticism against the Lord. It is in no way, in no fashion, a criticism of the Savior. It simply says that he is compassionate. And his compassion outruns... His caution. Now let's compare that with us for a little while. And you'll see the difference in what I'm saying. Son, I am cautious when it comes to making a decision. Whether it's on the mission field, whether it's at Grace Church, whether it's on my bulldozer tomorrow morning, I think of all the possible consequences and all the dangers And all the implications that are associated down the road with a decision that I'm going to make right now. I am abundantly cautious. So if I make a decision, you just know I'm not flying by the seat of my pants. I've thought it through and I have projected down the road and I've tried to handle all of the possible fallout before the fallout even gets there. It's all packed into the decision. But now here's Jesus walking along. Watch this. He's walking along. A sea of people begins to part. People begin to scream. People begin to scurry away. And a leper comes and falls in front of him and says, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Without hesitation, Jesus reaches out and touches him. Holy moly. He just risks contaminating himself. But can I tell you that Jesus Christ is so pure Leprosy don't back up on him, Son unholiness backs up on whoever he touches. So immediately he put it at bay. Without, almost without thinking, the compassion, notice, notice what the verse says. The verse says, move with compassion. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing. And here's the word again, be cleansed. His compassion compelled him as he saw this this begging, oozing, infected, almost unrecognizable glob of a man. And Jesus reached out and touched him, says, I am willing, be clean. And check this out. His caution outruns his compassion. I think we see that coming through. I think, could it be that when Jesus did it, he thought, There I go again. Notice what happens next. His compassion outruns his caution even though it costs him. You see, he cleanses even though it costs him. It costs him. It costs Jesus to do that and it's almost like as soon as he did it he realized it but he wouldn't retract it he's moved by compassion by nature his compassion outruns his caution and I think here's the reason why you see he's the son of God he can handle whatever the fallout is he can handle the consequences in the name of compassion But you and I can't sometimes so how what did it cost him is the question Well. Notice what it is the Bible says. And I want you to see this. And I think this is why these harsh words are used. Verse number 42, immediately, there's Mark's keyword: the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. So all of a sudden we go from an unrecognizable mass of flesh that had been eaten to the core by leprosy. All of a sudden this guy regenerates right in front of everybody's eyes. And he's normal. He's clean. He's got all of his appendages. He's got his sensitivity restored. Everything's back. And Jesus, look at verse number 43. Jesus sternly warned him. Sternly warned him. This is the same word that John uses about when Jesus was angry when Lazarus was resurrected. And it's a word that, 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 that denotes the snorting of a horse. You ever been on a horse and he snorted, got mad? Son of a horse snorts, you better, you better hold on or get off, one of the two. Because about to be some, some, some rodeo here. <laughs> Jesus snort, And I think the reason he is snorting because he understands that this act of compassion is going to cost him. But watch me, he's willing to pay it. He's willing to pay it. That's what he said, I am willing. And every time Jesus cleanses a sinner, it costs him, daddy it cost him to save this old redneck it cost him to save you and he did it anyway he was willing notice what the Bible says he sternly warned him and immediately sent him away you see that word sent away it's the same word that's used when Mark describes Jesus casting out a demon so Jesus talks harshly to this old boy after having compassion he talks sternly to him and then Cast him out. And what did he tell him? He told him, go and don't see, and don't and uh, go and show yourself to the priest and don't say anything about this. The old boy didn't do it. And notice the implications of it. It cost him. Number one, his movement is impeded. For the rest of his ministry, because of this act, his movement is impeded. He can't just go anywhere he wants to anymore. Now check this out. Look with me in verse number 45. But this man went out and began to proclaim it freely and spread the news about to such an extent, look at this, that Jesus could no longer. This may be one of the only places in the Bible that says Jesus couldn't do something because he's the God who can. Are you with me? And because this man disobey Jesus, he goes out and the Bible says Jesus could no longer publicly enter into a city. So now because of his compassion, his movement is impeded. Have you restricted Jesus by being boneheaded or by being disobedient? Have you limited his movement in your life? This is how we speak of it today. We speak of it as grieving or quenching the Holy Spirit of God. When we sin, after we've come to faith in Christ, when we sin, the Spirit of God living within us, and the Spirit of God is quenched and grieved, He doesn't have the freedom to do what He would love to do. The reason He is grieved is because He sees you going down the wrong path, And your sin is limiting what He can do in your life. Hey, can a church be impeded? Oh, you better believe it. Just let us start disregarding God's Word and what God says. And all of a sudden the movement of the Holy Spirit in this place is impeded. Am I right or am I wrong? Notice number next. What else did it cost him? Well, number one, his movement is impeded. But number two, check this out. Their positions were exchanged. This happens. I love it. I was saying it this morning about him being in our stead, in our place. Look at this. This leper, this leper had been separated from society. He was probably living in a leper's colony. He couldn't even enter into a city. He couldn't even go see his family. He couldn't go into his house. So he's living outside in deserted, unpopulated places. Jesus cures him. And now look what the Bible says about Jesus. He could no longer publicly enter a city, but stayed out in unpopulated areas. What in the name of humanity just happened? I can tell you what happened. They exchanged positions. You see, the leper was the one living out there. Jesus cures him. That cure calls Jesus. Now Jesus has changed positions with him. Now Jesus is living out in unpopulated areas. You know what that's known as theologically? Get this. It's known as substitutionary atonement. It means that Jesus willingly and compassionately takes your place, sir. He paid your price on Calvary's cross. You see, he was on a cross paying for sins that you should have paid for. But he exchanges places with you. Thank the good God of heaven that we've got a Savior who can... We got a Savior who will. We have a Savior who does. And He is compassionate. And He has taken your place. Y'all have exchanged positions. Woo! For he who knew no sin became sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God. Boy, there's something there. Do you see that swap of positions? Let that sink in for a little while my goodness well I gotta hurry no I don't it's just 1054 according to my watch I got another hour to preach dang my lucky day Jamie <laughs> here we go his movement was impeded that's what it cost him number two their positions were exchanged but number three his ministry is still effective watch me sinner. you can't exhaust the righteousness of Jesus you can, there ain't enough sin in this world exhaust his atonement you can't he touched this guy yeah it cost him but does that stop Jesus from ministering does it stop the 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 progress of the gospel absolutely not because notice what the Bible said Jesus couldn't enter a city publicly he stayed in unpopulated areas but check this out they were coming to him from everywhere here we go again you put Jesus in the most unpleasant place And those people whom the Father is drawing are going to get to him. They're going to get to him. So here he was out in the desert. Remind you of anybody? John the Baptist. He was out there preaching God's word and they flocked out to him. And somehow or another today we think we've got to have the best and most sophisticated and coolest fog machines and lights and bowling alleys just to get folk to come to Jesus. No, you don't. When God begins to draw folk, they come. And his ministry is ministry still effective. Oh, it cost him to cure that old boy. But it didn't stop the progress of the gospel. And I want to tell you, there is nothing that you can do. I used to get so sick. and See, it's amazing. God made me, me a missionary. when I did. The last thing I wanted to be in seminary was a missionary because I had classes with missionaries. And those missionaries used to gag me with a spoon. Because every day, and you know, the, the admissions classes was the only place this happened. But in missions classes, the professor would assign one of 200 students in that class to give the daily devotion. And he always would pick those who were on the mission degree program because they were his pets. Uh, you know, we are pastors were in there. We was in there because we had to be. We'd rather be over there in the theology department, but they made us take missions. So here we are over there in missions. And every 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 morning devotion in the mission class would end like this. sure is funny that that, that, that 80% of the world's population lives outside the U.S. Uh, uh, where the gospel is not available, but yet 80% of you pastors in here tell me you're called to preach in a place where, 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 where all the world's population of Christians, most of the world's population of Christians is, and I wanted to stand up and slap them because I knew what God had called me to do at the time. He called me to preach in a pastoral capacity, and then this is what made me want to gag with a the spoon. They'd say this, I would just like to know how many people are going to go to hell because of your disobedience? Ah! I can answer that for you, you little pea brain missionary. Zero. God's not going to let anybody go to hell because of my boneheaded action. He's not. He's bigger than that. And that man who, was, who, who he had compassion on but yet went out and disobeyed him, it didn't impede the spread of the gospel. They were still coming to Jesus. They were just coming to him now rather than him going to them. Well, check this out. i got to hurry. His ministry is still effective. So here we go. Notice these, these shocking facts. Number one is his compassion outruns his caution. Number, number uh, 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 His cleansing, he cleanses even though it costs him. And next under that is he, his cleansing enables you to keep his commandments. It does. That's what cleansing does. It gives us the ability to fulfill what God's Word demands. Look what Jesus told him after he sternly warned him and sent him away or in the context. He said, see that you say nothing to anyone but go show yourself to the priest and offer offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded. Did you see that? Offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded. Jesus had a high regard for God's word and the law. And he told this guy to go and do now what the law commands of you. The only way that guy could fulfill the commandments was how? Jesus did something supernatural in his life. That would have been an unfulfilled commandment. He would have died and never been able to do that had he not met Jesus. Do you see what God's word's telling us? That when Jesus saves you from the Leprosy of sin that enables you to do what He requires from then on. That's the only way you can do it. That's the only way we can fulfill His commandments because He enables us to do so. Man, I don't want to hear what folk can and can't do because now, because you've come to Jesus, you can. You can. You can. It's the only way. He enables you to do what He requires. So notice what changes. You remember I told you there was going to be a test on this a little bit later. Remember what I told you to write down? What did I tell you to write down? He can, but will he? Now write this down under this point right here. If you've, not, not this. I, I'm going to give you the statement in just a minute. If you've been born again, if Jesus has cleansed you, then here this becomes the epitaph. You can, but will you? Did you get that? You can, but will you? Because if the Son of God saved you and the Spirit of God's taken up residency in your heart, don't tell me you can't. Brother Richie, I just can't get down to church every Sunday. You can, you won't. You see, there's a difference between can't and won't. And here's what I've learned about people who've been saved. You can do whatever you want to do. You just won't do it. Just won't do it. And that's living in defiance of the very salvation that we claim to have. Man, this is a go-to verse. I hate to even quote it. It's, it's, it's so misused by people. Here's what Paul said. I can do all things. How? Because I'm a Pharisee and religious. No, I can do all things. How? Through Christ Jesus so put whatever it is out there that you've been not doing and you know you ought to it's not because you can't simply because you won't see this leper came to Jesus and he said he said he can but will he Jesus has compassion on him and now he's able to fulfill the the the, the commandment and now the question becomes you can but will you And apparently the old boy did not. Well, he could have obeyed Jesus, but he didn't. He went out and did the exact opposite. Man, here's the thing. Psychology, reverse psychology. Maybe we ought to start doing that, Dr. John. Colin, when you give the announcements next Sunday, here's what I want you to say. I want you to say, in the name of Jesus, let's keep this a secret. Please don't tell anybody about the gospel this week. Don't tell anybody about Grace Church this week. Let's keep this to ourselves, all right? Are y'all with me? Pinky swear. (laughs) We probably have the biggest attendance next Sunday than we've ever had. You tell somebody they can't, by golly, they're going to do it. Am I right? So he, he told this guy, I don't say anything when I did it, but he did do part of it. He said, go and show yourself to the priest. And here's why he told him to do that. Because the law confirms the miracle. The law confirms the miracle. When you can fulfill the law, it confirms that Jesus has done something in your heart. Hey, all we got to do is stop and talk about the two greatest commandments. You said, "Here, here they are. Here's two greatest commandments: love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your might, everything that you are, and love your neighbors as yourself." You ever notice anybody that hated God and didn't give a rat's rump about anybody else either, and they get saved? And all of a sudden, what happens? They start fulfilling the law. All of a sudden, they start loving God. They can't get enough. They start caring for other people. That's what happens. When somebody starts doing what the law says, you can bet they've had a come-to-Jesus meeting with the Lord Himself. Now, check this out. He said, go and show yourself to the priest. Can you imagine? How would you like to have been the priest, that this is your duty, this is your job? You are to sit and the leprosy cleansing office to issue certificates. That's your job as a priest. I bet that dude was more lonely than the Maytag repairman. And did nobody come to his window? (laughs) Because nobody was ever cured. But here this day, one he's in there sleeping. Somebody knocks on the window. Hey, I need one of them certificates. What? (laughs) Here he was. So the law confirms the miracle. But what else does the law do? Well, the law condemns the unbelieving. The law has a twofold purpose here it confirms the miracle that Jesus did in your life but to those who refuse to believe it condemns them you know I think that's kind of implied when Jesus says as a testimony to them show them this so that they can believe and and the big question grammatically here is who does the them refer to well I think it refers to the priest that's the only possible antecedent in that verse so it's got to be as a testimony to the priest so that they can believe and not be condemned i got to hurry one more thing and I'm done. Don't cut me out just yet. Those who come discover shocking facts. Number one, that his compassion outruns his caution. Number two, that his compassion is without condition. It's without condition. Now check this out. I want you to get this. Don't don't check out on me yet because this is cool. Jesus didn't put conditions upon his his cleansing, did he? He didn't say, now look here, buddy. I'm going to cleanse you. But if you don't obey me perfectly 100% for the rest of your life, first time you sin, this leprosy is going to come back up on you. And it's going to eat you down to a nub. He didn't say that, did he? His cleansing is unconditional. You know what that means? That means when he saved you, he saved you unconditionally. He knows that His saving grace is good enough to change you, to transform your life, to enable you to keep the commandments. The only question is, will you? He didn't say, All right, I'm going to give you eternal life until you commit this sin, and I'm yanking it back. He didn't say that. He doesn't say that. As a matter of fact, if that's the way Jesus saved... It wouldn't be eternal life, it'd be temporary life. I'm going to give you life until you blow it, and then I'm yanking it back. His compassion is without condition. What am I saying? I'm saying that if you have been born again, you have been born again. No ands, ifs, or buts. There's no nebulous, undefinable line out there that you can cross to cause you to lose it. He did not put conditions on it. He said, I saved you. You can, but will you? Would you stand with me, please? Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for this group of believers that you are assembling in Bonifay, Florida, that God are just a a living confirmation of this passage and of the salvation